0: Good morning I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right, good to see you all. Your bright, beautiful, smiling faces. Uh, my name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I just want to say welcome. So glad that you are here. We are in uh, our 19th week of our series through the book of Acts. We're diving into chapter 19 today, um, but I'm just pumped and excited for what God has already done today and what he's going to do today um, I'm married now, Chris and I have been married for 14 years. Um, yeah, give us a hand. Why not? You know, 14 years—that's right. Uh, you know, we 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 kind of grew up knowing each other. Then we reconnected after I was uh, graduated from college. We went through the dating phase, and you you know when you're dating, how you try to plan like really great, extravagant dates, and then that kind of falls off after marriage. You know, it just kind of the way the life gets. And so we had made it through two different 1,000-mile moves. We had made it through three different church, uh, churches that I've been working at, uh, infertility, the birth of two children. Made it through that seven-year itch. And that's when I realized, man, we need to remember why we fell in love in the first place. It's good to remind ourselves of, hey, why did we fall in love in the first place? And I was watching one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, the Princess Bride, any the Princess Bride fans out there? That's right, that's right. Uh, if you don't like that movie, oh man, I don't know if we can connect. Uh, that's all right, though. Uh, I love that movie, and you know, uh, Inigo Mentoya, he, he, he's kind of like lost for a while, and then he's like, oh, remember, go back to the beginning. And he remembers, he goes back to the beginning. has like, told me to go back to the beginning. And so I was watching the movie, I was like, go back to the beginning. Good advice from Princess Bride. And so I thought, man, I need to go back to the beginning and recreate our first real date. And so I kind of, this elaborate thing, we are living in Wisconsin at the time, drove into Minnesota, got my parents to watch our kids, and I was like, I'm going to get this great hotel, which we didn't do on our first dates, but at the Grand Hotel in Minneapolis, uh, go to the same restaurant we went to, Lower Pasta Bar in Uptown. It was awesome. And so, you know, right before we exchange our Christmas gifts, I'm like, hey, babe, this is my my Christmas gift to you. We're going to recreate our first date. You know, here's the hotel. This is all great. And she's like, that's all well and good, but you know our baby is still only a couple months old, and we have to bring the baby along on the date. And I was like, shoot, I forgot about the baby. Uh, so uh, that was a little different than our first date as well. But we had to bring the baby along. But it was a really good reminder as we went back to the restaurant that we started to fall in love at and just remind ourselves of, of, of why did we get together in the first place. And it's good to go back to the beginning. If you ever lost your passion, maybe you started a job and in the beginning you thought, man, this is going to be the best job ever. Maybe you started a company, and you're like, this is going to be amazing. I'm not going to have a boss anymore. I can do whatever I want. And you realize that means you work all the time. Uh, maybe you were in a relationship, maybe a marriage, and you lost that loving feeling. What do we do when we've lost the passion, when we've lost that fire, when we've lost that, that, that reason for being? Well, I think we, we go back to the beginning. That's what we're going to be talking about today, is what do we do when, when we've We've lost a little bit of passion. We've lost a little bit of fire. We need to be reminded of, of why we started this in the first place. Uh, we've been going through the book of Acts, like I said, and, and Troy Roberts, one of our global partners in Thailand, he was here last week. If you missed that, man, it was a great message. You can listen to it online. And he actually did a really great recap of the book of Acts, of some of the major events. So I thought, I'm mean, gonna do something slightly different this morning. You have this also on the back of your note sheet. We're just gonna cover some of the big ideas of what we've been through in this series so far. It's just a reminder. Oh yeah, this is what God's been teaching us through this series. You know, we, as a church we went through the book of Luke, and then we took a little bit of a break, and now the book of Acts, and, and we reminded that, you know, Jesus came to pay the price that we could not pay, and then Jesus died on the cross for our sins, so that all of us, no matter what we've done, no matter what's been done to us, we could find freedom and grace and hope and healing through Jesus, amen? And then and Jesus gave him some of his last words in Acts 1.8, and he said, wait, wait, he gave them these marching orders, you know, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, the name of our series, but wait. We said there's always a time of waiting between when we get our, our purpose and when we get to live that out. And so we said that in that season of waiting, that time waiting isn't time wasted, that right now, maybe you're in a season of waiting, maybe waiting for a spouse, maybe waiting for kids, maybe waiting for a new job, whatever that might be. That time waiting isn't time wasted. That's a time where we can invest and, and trust in God. And that's what we see the, whole, the disciples doing early on. They gathered together, they were unified, they were praying. And that's what we learned. And then in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit empowers us for kingdom work. As the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples and what was once just something for those special people in the Old Testament, now every believer has access to the Holy Spirit. And we say that we are fueled and filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can do kingdom work. And we see that Peter, this coward, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and now he preaches the word of God. And 3,000 people come to know Jesus as their Savior. So he said us too that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit for kingdom work. Then... Remember, Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple, and they meet a paralyzed man. And we, we talk about the power of the partnership and how, how they needed each other. Peter was bold, and he liked to look before leaping, and John was a little more careful. And how, how Peter needed John's sensitivity, although he probably wouldn't have seen the man. But John needed Peter's boldness or wouldn't have stopped to help that man. And we said the strength is in the stretch. That's how we go stronger, whether you're doing CrossFit or, or lifting weights or whatever it might be. You have to stretch yourself. And we saw that Peter and John were stretched, and as they stretched out their hand, that man was healed. And the strength for us is in the stretch. Then the next chapter, we learned that the the early church was living out with such generosity that even the Pharisees who had persecuted Jesus, they started to follow him. Because they were so amazed at the generosity that no one had any need. And we learned that extraordinary generosity is extraordinarily powerful. That's one way the world looks and says, wow, that is amazing. That when we are extraordinarily generous with our time, with our talents, with our treasure, That's extraordinarily powerful. Then Acts 5, we saw that as the the, the church expanded, as they multiplied disciples and and ministries and they're planting churches, that the devil doesn't like that. Well, the devil doesn't mind when we maintain, but he gets bothered when we multiply. And so there's this counterattack, and there's persecution against the church. And then in Acts 6, we learn that every failure is a Holy Spirit opportunity. There were these widows, and some of the widows that spoke Greek were not getting fed, as well as the widows who spoke uh, were, were Jewish. And Peter and John and the disciples said, it's not good for us to stop preaching and praying to wait tables on widows. They're like, well, that sounds crazy, but that's what, not what they're called to do. So new leaders were raised up, and every, every, that every <laughs> failure is a Holy Spirit opportunity for, for God to raise up new leaders and to do more ministry. Then seven, we learned about Stephen, who was preaching the gospel, and he ultimately gave his life as the first martyr. But we said that love is our ace. Remember that we talked about playing solitaire, and you start with, we start with our ace. And love is our ace, that when we show love, ultimately, we build on that, like solitaire, and ultimately, people will see the king. And that's what Stephen saw, that he saw the king. And so love is our ace. We start there, so that people will see the king. And then in Acts 8, we see Philip, one of those new deacons who'd been raised up for ministry, that he goes out and he preaches the gospel for the first time to an African man, someone who's considered an outsider, a eunuch. And we said that found people find people, that if we've been found by Jesus, our calling too is to go find people who are lost and broken and hurting. Acts 9, we learn that save people serve people, that Peter, as he's doing ministry, he's called and he prays for a sick (laughs) woman and he raises a young girl to life, and that save people, they serve and they use their gifts. Acts 10 Like Cornelius' house, and the first time the Holy Spirit falls on Gentiles like you and me. And we learned that the church should be a multicultural mosaic, that there's strength in diversity. That we want mosaic, our church, to be a mosaic of people who look differently, who come from different backgrounds, different first languages. We love that. Acts 11, that bless people, bless people. We saw that the Anak church had been planted. They learned that the Jerusalem church was, was struggling, so they raised money, they sent it back, and, and we're blessed to be a blessing, and bless people, bless people. Acts 12, we learned that prayer is one way that we participate with God in his redemptive work. Peter was in jail, the leader of the church, and they had killed and executed James. And, and, and well, what's gonna happen now? And so the people of God, they gather together, and they pray, and they partner with God in his work, and Peter is miraculously freed from prison. Acts 13, we learned that the gospel reconciles people who'd never be reconciled. And we learned all about how these people who grew up, one was a friend of Herod, and, and one was a tax collector, and, and there's, there's African men and, 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 and men from the Middle East and all these places that God is bringing together. And the gospel reconciles people who otherwise have nothing else in common. That you and I, maybe we don't have the same interests. Maybe you don't love Princess Bride, and that's okay, because the gospel reconciles us together. Acts 15, the Jerusalem council, and they get together and they say, hey, well, there's this big question, do Gentiles have to become Jewish people in order to become followers of Jesus? He said, no, let us not make it hard for those who are turning to God. And said, man, that is one of our vision statements here at Mosaic, just like the early church. Let us not make it hard for those who are turning to God. And then Acts 17, that when, as Paul is going and he's preaching the gospel and he, he lands on Mars Hill, this place where there's all these idols, and he's provoked by the idolatry he sees around him. He doesn't stick his head in sand and just ignore it all. He doesn't just curse them and say, hey, to hell with you all. He's provoked by it. But then he finds a point of connection and says, here's how we can connect so that he can proclaim the goodness of Jesus and he proclaims the resurrection. So just like Paul, all of us, we wanna be provoked by the adultery, by the racism, by the social injustice, by the hurting, by the suffering that we see around us in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our world. We don't just... Get despair about that, we find a point of connection with people. Tori talked about it. He plays basketball. Maybe it's music, maybe it's theater, whatever it might be. You find that point of connection so that. We can proclaim and preach the resurrection of Jesus. So that's what what we've been learning these last uh, 17, 18 weeks. And now we see Paul, who's been radically saved. He's knocked off his high horse. Former uh, Pharisee who's persecuting Jesus. He's now preaching the word of God. He's planting churches. He's on a second missionary journey. And we're going to see he plants this church in Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. And Ephesus is one of these amazing churches. And they had everything going on for them. And you can really learn a lot about this church in the pages of the New Testament because there's so much written to that church and for that church. You have the letter of Ephesians written by Paul while he's sitting in prison back to this church that he planted. He said, hey, here's a reminder. We do not wage our war here on earth But we fight against principalities. And so so gird yourself in the armor of God. And and he's writing to this church that he planted. And then Paul's protege, Timothy. Maybe you you know uh, Timothy. There's two books of the Bible written: first and second Timothy. Well, Timothy actually becomes one of the pastors of this church that Paul plants. And so Paul writes to Timothy as this young pastor and says, Hey, here's how you're gonna lead the church. And so those books are actually written to the pastor of the church of Ephesus. And then there's John, the disciple who Jesus loved. Uh, We talked about John, how John is amazing, he's one of those early disciples. And two things he wants you to know about him when he wrote his gospel. Number one, that he's the one that Jesus loved, that's his identity, that's the one who Jesus loves. And number two, that he's faster than Peter. And that's just so funny, that he wrote in his gospel that for all, all of us to know for all time that they raced the tomb and John beat Peter. I just love that, that John's that much petty and competitive with Peter. We have some people in our church who are that way. Amen. <laughs> and, and he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John as a young pastor of this church. And so you've got like some pretty heavy hitters. Like They have a varsity staff here. I mean, I love our staff. I love Josh and Josh and Ashley and Beth. But come on, like, John, I mean, he walked with Jesus, right? Like, our staff, we preach the word. Like, they wrote the word. Like, that's pretty amazing. Like, when I'm up here saying, here's what Jesus wants for you, when John said that, he's like, here's what Jesus said. He's like, yeah, when Jesus and I were walking around, <laughs> this is what he told me. It's like, man, that's not fair. Like, he really walked with Jesus. That's the staff of the Ephesus church. They had everything going for it, man. All-Star Church, you know, books about written for them. People are getting saved. Amazing Instagram posts about the Ephesus Church. Like, it's, it's happening. Things are going great. But then, if you jump to the end of your Bibles, in the book of Revelation, John, this, this pastor, he, he's no longer a pastor. And, and all the other disciples have given their lives for Jesus. And they have been killed. And John, he wasn't killed, but they tried to kill him. They boiled him alive, and he survived. And so they exiled him to this island of Patmos. And he's the last of the disciples left alive. And he's no longer pastor his church. And then he sees this vision. And it's the risen Jesus, and it's amazing. And I'm sure John is like, oh, this is an amazing vision. But then Jesus says, write these warnings to these seven churches. And one of them is the church that John pastored. And here's what we read. Revelation two. To the angel of the church of Ephesus. It's just a way of saying to the church of Ephesus. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, this is Jesus, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil. They were portable, set up, and tear down church. And your patient endurance, man. It's one thing to endure, but it's a good thing to be patient, amen? There's times I've endured, but I know I haven't been patient in that. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. The church, they, they had people coming in and saying, hey, I'm a prophet or I'm an apostle, and they, they tested their words and said, ah, I don't think so. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. So I'm guessing John's writing this down as Jesus tells them, oh, good, good. Oh, man. All right, this church I pastor, they're doing well. Uh, they're, they're not growing weary. They're, they're doing all these good things. And then Jesus tells him but I have this against you. You have abandoned. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Jesus tells John, the former pastor of this church, to write to the Ephesus of church and says, "Remember, remember, you've lost your first love. You've lost focus. You've lost sight. Repent. We talked a lot about repent. This Jewish word teshuva. It just means you're walking along on a path, and all of a sudden you find out that you look up and you've wandered off the path of where you're supposed to be. And so, repentance is this act of turning, getting back onto the path that God wants you on." Maybe that's where you are right now in your life. Maybe you've been following God's call and, and you've been walking down a pathway and then all of a sudden you look up and you realize you've wandered away from that path and what repentance is is just turning back, turning back and get on that path. And that's what Jesus is urging this church. He says, or I will remove your light and your influence. Remember, repent or I'm gonna remove your light and your influence. I'm gonna pull in your lampstand. Jesus says, I'm gonna shut this thing down. I'm removing the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna remove my presence I'm gonna continue to save and work because I've chosen to save and work, but just not through you. Now, this isn't an issue of salvation. He's not saying that the, the people at Ephesus Church are no longer to be saved or go to heaven. It's an issue of whether or not this church is gonna continue to be a light for Jesus in their community. And sadly, we know they no longer are. This church no longer exists. And Jesus shut it down. But he's urging them. He says, remember repent they had abandoned their calling why they had planted the church in the first place mosaic let this be a warning to us let's not forget why we came together and we started this church about four years ago we don't want jesus to remove our lamp our light from this community amen we need to remember why we started this thing to begin with we need to repent lest we too be removed from our community Let's go back to the beginning for the Ephesus Church and see what they were doing and what their first love was. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts 19. I'm gonna start in verse one. We're gonna breeze through most of this chapter. Uh, the the, the scriptures also be here behind me. I'm gonna I just throw me in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into Acts 19. God, I thank you that you are here. And so, God, our prayer is that you would show us your glory. God, that we become increasingly aware of who you are God, that you're trying to spotlight in all those areas that we need to repent, that we need to turn from our sin. God, it's a way that we just wandered away from your pathway for us. God, each and every one of us, we mess up, we fall down, but we think we're we thankful for your grace. So God, help us to remember, help us to know what we need to repent of. Because God, we do not want you to remove our lampstand. Amen. Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos, he's a new evangelist, we learned last week, he got saved and he's following Jesus and he's preaching Christ, was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Some of you in this room, this is your story. You grew up in a church, and you're like, I've never even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Like, our, our Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible. And we didn't even talk about the Holy Spirit. This is your story. And he said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And he said, John's baptism. And John's baptism was a Jewish baptism of repentance. He wasn't the first one and the only one to do that kind of baptism, but as a way of turning from your sins to Shuva. And then Paul said, John baptized with their baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. It was people that repented, but they hadn't yet heard of Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. This is a water baptism. Uh, and every time the word baptism in scripture means to be fully immersed. And that's why here at Mosaic, we practice full immersion. That's what the word literally means. It's it's the idea of a ship going out underwater. And, and so that's what they, they were baptized. They were fully under the water and brought back up. They'd heard of Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them after water baptism. The Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and prophesying. They're about 12 men in all. We believe the Holy Spirit's for each and every one of us, and God has spiritual gifts for you. If you've not experienced your spiritual gifting and filling the Holy Spirit, I and mean, we want to pray for you. We believe that there's more that you can be filled again and again with with the Holy Spirit's power and his presence, and you can grow more and more in him. Verse eight, and he entered the synagogue, and that's where the Jewish people would gather together on Saturday, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading with them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued to unbelief, speaking evil of the way, that's what Christianity was called before, they were called Christians, they called the way, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus, He's going to leave the synagogue. He's going to go to a lecture hall. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. What a phenomenal testimony. He's preaching for two years, and what's the result? All the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both the Jews who worship God and, and the Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So, that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and the diseases left him, and the evil spirits came out of them. Gotta be honest, I don't know what to do with that. Um, I think it's pretty amazing. I hope that for our church, man, I would love it that evil spirits are delivered, that, that, that we're so filled with the Holy Spirit that just, man, people are using handkerchiefs and they're bringing to some people, and, and people are healed. Honestly, I don't know if this is just descriptive of what's for Paul. I don't know if it's prescriptive for us today. I don't know. That is your passion. I don't know, but I think that's amazing. I think the bottom line here is that people are being delivered and healed, and that's awesome. That's what we want in our church. Verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, and that's an amazing job description. You're an itinerant Jewish exorcist, undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. These are some Jewish people, and they're seeing what is going on, and they're a little jealous, and they're like, we're gonna do this too. But they are not followers of Jesus. Saying, so now they're gonna speak to a man who's filled with demons, and they say, I adjure you, that's the way to speak boldly to a demon, by the, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. They're like, well, we're gonna say by the name of Jesus who this guy, Paul, he always talks about. And then seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. There's a Christian band from the 90s called the Black-Eyed Siva, and I think that's amazing, a little reference right here. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them, seven, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. One guy beats up seven. Now, sometimes in a fight, two people fight, and you don't know who's the winner, right? Because they're both kind of battered and bloody. There's no doubt who won this fight. If you came in with your clothes on and your pants on, and you leave with no drawers and bloody... Like, you lost, right? So one man filled with demons beats up seven people who don't know Jesus but are trying to use his name. But they don't have a personal relationship with him. That's what happens here. Crazy story. This is in your Bible. Read your Bibles. (laughs) Verse 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Like Whoa, what just happened here? Both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord was extolled. And many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. They counted the value of them and they came to 50,000 pieces of silver. They're confessing their sin. They're bringing things they shouldn't have had and sacrificing it and it would add up to a lot. So what's the result here? So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. That's what we want, amen? The word of God would increase and prevail mightily. A couple things uh, we see here, uh, and this is what I I want for our church, and this is what we see in in the church. You can write these down. Number one, the word is preached. We saw that Paul has come to people. They They have an idea of who God is. They'd even received the baptism of repentance, but they didn't know who Jesus was. There are people in our spheres of influence. They may have an idea of who God is. Maybe they grew up going to confession or catechism or whatever it might be. They have this broad idea of who God is. Maybe even as a child at VBS, they repent of their sins, but they don't know Jesus. And our duty as followers of Christ is to say, you don't know who this is. You don't know this man, Jesus, who who loved people so much. He treated men and women with dignity and honor and respect. And the untouchables, he reached out and he touched them And all were welcomed in. Even the outsiders could become insiders. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I can receive freedom and grace and forgiveness and your chains of addiction and that alcoholism that you hide so well that you don't lose your job, but you go home. And every night before you go to bed, you have to have a drink. Otherwise, you can't face your wife and kids. You can find freedom from that. There are people in all of our spheres of influence, our neighbors, our coworkers. They know about God in a general way, but they don't know Jesus and so Paul, is going around and saying, no, you have to know Jesus. It's about Jesus. Today, do you know Jesus? Jesus wants to know you. It's not just some broad knowledge of God, but Jesus. Jesus is the name that saves. At the name of Jesus, we find healing and forgiveness and hope. It's not just some cosmic idea of God. It's Jesus. And so Paul is talking about Jesus. And, and what happens? People are baptized. People turn from their sins. They said, you know what? I'm not too proud to go under the water. And it's identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and coming back up in the same way that one day we will all be raised to life. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you baptized as a child and you struggled with the idea of being baptized in front of people or at a lake. Ah, I'm kind of embarrassed. Jesus says, Go public with your faith. Be immersed as a way of saying, this is my choice. You baptized as a baby. That was an incredibly significant event in life of your parents, but you had no say in that. Instead, it's time for you to say, no, this is my choice, my decision to identify with Jesus. I want everyone to know. Number three, Jesus was glorified. God was glorified. It says that his name was extolled through miracles, through healings, through people receiving it and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mosaic, like our hope is that God comes in, that God changes lives, that people are filled with the Holy Spirit who didn't know the Holy Spirit before, that people are freed from addictions, that marriages are healed. But you know what? We want Jesus' name to be extolled. Not Pastor Eric, not anyone else. Be warned. If you go to a ministry or a church or whatever it might be and people are lifting up the name of that person way more than the name of Jesus, that is a bad sign. It says that not the name of Paul was extolled, the name of Jesus was extolled. Man, Mosaic, our leadership, our desire is to get out of the way so that people see Jesus. We say, hey, we want the only barrier that people, when they come into this church, is this crazy idea that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus, and he came, he lived a life we could not live, but then he died on a cross, and that seems foolishness to man. But it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And we want that to be the one thing that people stumble across. So we want to get out of the way so that the name of Jesus can be extolled. Amen? Number four, the believers confessed. They saw that some people were trying to do the work of God without actually knowing Jesus themselves. And they were saying, hey, hey that guy Paul, hey, he, he, knows, he knows God. And so, so add his name. And they're trying to borrow Paul's experience and, and Paul's intimacy with Christ. And you know what? You can't do that. You have to have your own intimacy. You have to have your own knowledge, your own relationship with Jesus. You can't rely on your parents. You can't rely on your pastor. You can't rely on your aunt and uncle, whoever it might be. You have to have that knowledge of Jesus because these seven sons of Siva, they came in and they were beat up by the, by the devil. And if you two try to go and do life and do ministry or whatever on your own strength, you're gonna get beat up. And some of you today, maybe you feel a little beat up. Maybe you, you were a part of a church and you burned out. Maybe that's because you were doing it on your own strength, on your own power. You were borrowing someone else's intimacy with Christ, someone else's prayer life. A couple of years ago, I was challenged by this, that sometimes when we ask for prayer too much, that's a, that's a fine thing, but we're asking others to fight our battles for us. Instead, maybe God has put you in a situation, and yes, ask for people to pray for you, but you need to be on your knees You need to be praying. You need to be seeking God and say, God, I don't understand. What is this? What is going on? And then the people in your life, in your community, are coming around you and they're supporting you, but you too are fighting. You too are praying. You need to have your own understanding of who Jesus is. You can't rely on someone else. You can't rely on that camp experience you had years ago. You can't rely on that experience in Bible college or whatever it might be or that other church from that other state that you're at. And you've just been coasting. We need to be Every day, working towards Jesus, you miss a day with God in prayer and the word, that's fine. Don't make it two days. And, and, say, and, and so what happened was these believers confessed. And I wanna encourage you, maybe you're at a place where you've been following the will of God and then you look up and you realize, man, you've walked away from the path that God had for you and you need to confess, you need to teshuva, to repent and to say, God, I've wandered away from the pathway for my life and now I wanna get back on track. Mosaic, well, I want us to be a church that we are, are just, we easily confess our sins to God, to each other. We like to say, hey, not perfect, we're cool with that. But it doesn't mean we stay that way. We say, hey, man, we are all messed up and broken. we all on stage, in the tech booth, in the seats. None of us have it all together. And so all of us, from your pastor on down, all of us, we have to confess on a daily basis on a regular basis, we repent. We say, God, man, I've been I, I doing my best, but you know what, here's where I messed up, so help me now to do better. Help me, I yelled at my kids yesterday, I don't like that. Help me to be more loving as a spouse. Help me to be someone who is following you. I miss these opportunities to speak of, of you, Jesus, to my coworker who I know is struggling with alcoholism or going through a divorce, and I just said, hey, I'm gonna give you good vibes instead of saying, hey, you need to know Jesus. And so we're gonna confess that, we're gonna repent of that. We're not going to wallow in our guilt. We're not going to say that that we are. Oh, woe is us. We're 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 worms. No, we we confess so that we can become more like Jesus. And we're filled with life and hope and truth. And so that's what the believers are doing here. They're confessing. It was a good thing. They were raw. They were real. Mosaic. I don't want us to pretend like we have it all together. Whether that's in our kids or our youth group or our adults. Say, hey, man, we all need Jesus. We all need grace, and that's okay. And we confess easily so that God will forgive us, so that we will learn, that we will grow, that we'll get back on track to what God wants for us, that we will remember why we were saved, that we remember what Jesus did for us, that we will remember why God called us to this church together. We'll repent so that God will not remove our light and our influence. And number five, the results of the word of the Lord continue to increase and prevail mightily. The gospel spread. That is our hope that the gospel doesn't stay with us, that we're not just kind of holding pond. that we are a river. God pours his blessings, he pours his word, he pours his grace through us so that the surrounding areas are touched, that the gospel spreads. I want to just ask a couple questions and you can drop this down if you want some of the answers. Just a little spiritual diagnostic lately. Number one, is your love for Jesus increasing? Yes, no, maybe Is your love for Jesus increasing? Number two, do you love your enemies? Ooh, that's a tough one. Do you love your enemies? Number three, how do you treat people that can do nothing for you? Wow, Enneagram 3s, that's a tough one. How do you treat people who can do nothing for you? Number four, do you view your work as worship? God created us to work, it's a way to honor God. Or do you curse it? Ah, another Monday. I hate work. Number five, are you in awe of God's grace or has it become commonplace? Are you in awe, God, it's amazing that you loved us, that you saved us. Man, your grace is amazing. Number six, do you see yourself as a missionary? Do you see yourself as someone who's just like Cor and Troy over in Thailand, that here in Maple Grove, Osseo, Elk River, Brooklyn Park, Corcoran, Dayton, Otsego, wherever you might live. Man, you are called to tell people about Jesus. Number seven, what do you need to confess to Jesus? In what ways have you been doing on your own strength? In what ways have you wandered off course a little bit? Maybe it's something big, maybe it's something little. And you need to confess that to Jesus so that he will forgive you and move forward? Like we, we are called to be a community of hope and light and truth. The Ephesus church, man, they started so great. They had phenomenal staff. They had people coming to Christ. All these things, amazing things were happening, but today there is no Ephesus church. Let that be a warning to us. And so our leadership, we've been praying. God, help us remember, why did we start this thing in the beginning? Was it just because Eric needed a job? No, no, that's not why. (laughs) Is it just because there's no other churches in Maple Grove? Nope, nope, there's a lot of great churches and once a month I get to have lunch? and pray with all the other pastors in Maple Grove churches. And I love what John and Scott and Craig, all the other pastors, what they're doing. And we support each other. And we know that, hey, we play a small role together in this kingdom. But the reality is the number of our churches, you add them up together, and it's two, 3,000 people in Maple Grove, and there's 60,000 people here. There are a lot of lost and hurting, broken people. There's plenty of people to go around. And so as leadership, we said, hey, God, remember, why did we start this thing? Oh, yeah, it's to help people who are far from God to connect with him. And from the day one, we said, God, bring us leaders and bring us lost people. Bring us leaders, maybe who moved to here from other, other cities. Maybe they don't even know they're a leader yet. They moved into this community looking for home church, and they're on board with a mission. And number of you, that's your story. You moved in from other places, and now you're leaders in our church. Number two, God, brings lost people. For whatever reason, people that have not connected with any other churches in this area, Because every pastor, every church does have a a personality and, and something about them. So God, how can we fit in? That's why we started this thing, to help people love God, to know Jesus, to be saved by him, to help people who've been sitting on the sidelines, maybe at other churches their whole lives, to learn how to serve, how to lead, how to make a difference, to make disciples. Someone who knows Jesus, wants to be like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did. So God, how do we do that the best way possible? And so we've been praying, we've been seeking his face for months and months, and where are we going? The other day, uh, Kristen was at Hobby Lobby and she gave me this coffee mug. I don't know what she's trying to tell me. I need more coffee, right? Uh, This is a large coffee mug. Um, But it says the best is yet to come. And that's what we believe since day one. Uh, We believe that the best is always yet to come. We haven't reached the best years as a church yet. We haven't reached our best years as, as believers of Christ yet. The best is yet to come. And I believe that in all my heart with this church. But you know what? It's gonna take a lot of coffee to get there. Amen? <laughs> you need to fuel up. So let's get ready. Here's the deal, Mosaic. Uh, just honestly, the last year has been a tough year for me personally, uh, going from three kids to four kids. Uh, just life, just different things. But I'm excited. And God has answered my prayer to remember why we started this to begin with. He's reminded me of where I need to repent and turn from. And my prayer is that God's not gonna remove our lifetimes. Here's the... Here, here's the, the Super raw, real truth. One reason we're able to be in this school for this summer, there was a church that was here for 10 years. And that church's light has been removed from our community. There's obviously a long story to that, but man, 10 years they were here, and they're not here anymore. I do not want that to be our story. And so I believe the best is yet to come, but I believe there's hard work, and I am so excited. And we're kind of calling this Mosaic 2.0. Man, this is the next chapter. If you've been part of the ride, we thank you so much for that. But now this is your chance as well. For those who are newer to Mosaic, buckle up. We're going to get going. This fall is going to be so excited. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited where God is leading us. I grew up in Maple Grove area. Uh, back then, Maple Grove was a whole bunch of cornfields and gravel pits. And Maple Grove was kind of a small area. And you know what? Where we went, the cool place, was Osseo. Osseo was this old city in the Lions Day Parade. I remember as a young child, one, one of the things I did with my mom, we went to the Lions Day Parade. I got a brat, fell in love with brats, love brats. And, 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 and that was a cool place to be. And then as a young child, I played Omega Baseball, and I got to coach Omega Baseball uh, this year, the Osceola Maple Grove Athletic Association. Uh, when we came back, we were gone in, in Colorado for seven years, in Wisconsin, and now here in Minnesota, we said, hey, we're going to plant this church. Where are we going to start this movement that we believe God wants for us. Hey, the Osseo Area School District. And so we're at Weaver Lake. And then a couple years, they're doing construction on Weaver Lake Elementary. And they said, all right, you guys have to move. Oh, man, we don't want to move, but we have to move. So because of construction, we moved to Rice Lake Elementary. And we were there for a year. And then because of construction, again, they're like, you have to move. What? Well, we don't want to move. We have to move. We moved into the middle school for the summer. Well, for the first time ever in our church's life, we are moving because we want to. This fall, we, our leadership believes that God is leading us to Osseo Senior High. That's what we did our Easter service. We wanted to try it out. And we believe that is where God is leading us. There are a lot of reasons why we believe God is calling us to Osio, it's not just to a school, but to a community. We also are going to be getting some, uh, commu- uh, some uh, office space there. I think we have some pictures. Why don't you throw some of those pictures? Um, this is the Osio Auditorium. This is where we did Easter. Um, that's where I believe God is leading our church. So we're going to be walking through those doors, and I believe lives are going to be transformed in those seats. We're going to see baptisms. I am so excited. Salvations, people delivered and freed. Oh, man, I can't wait i go to the next picture. That was our Easter service. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. Um, that was Devin made that amazing uh, tomb. Uh, that, that's what we'll be doing worship starting September 1st. Go to the next slide. Uh, we have some phenomenal kid spaces. This is uh, where our elementary students uh, were, were met. Man, look at all those kids. That was beautiful. I love it. That's what our kids are going to be doing uh, uh, in this fall. Go to the next slide. Another picture of our kids. Look at all those beautiful kids. Room to grow. Uh it amazing. Uh, I love its multicultural mosaic. Man, I, I love that. Next picture. Uh, This whole summer, our youth was a meeting at the Osseo Community Center, which is literally two blocks away from Osseo Senior High. It's been a great place for our student ministry. Uh, We're going to stay for now. We don't know what the future holds. But one of our dreams has been, as I've been driving around for the last year, God, where are you leading our church? Where should we go? Where are we supposed to be? And and I've driven around Osseo and many other places, and many times God led me there at 2 o'clock, 2.10 during the school year. and, And I'd see hundreds and hundreds of high school students pouring out of that building. I said, God, who is reaching those students? And one thing God's put in my heart is let's talk to the city of Osseo. Can we do some kind of after-school program at 2 o'clock, at 2.30 in the community center where we partner with the city as a safe place for kids to do homework help, they can ask questions, that Josh, our youth pastor, other youth leaders can invest in children. Maybe it starts one day a week. I don't know. I don't know where that goes, but I believe God wants us to invest in the kids at Osseo Senior High School. Go to the next slide. This is Josh leading our, our students this summer uh, in the Osio Community Center. It's been a great space for our kids, literally two blocks down uh, Mosaic, we've, we've been blessed to multiply, and we've planted now two churches. Uh, number one, Mosaic International Fellowship in Munich. Uh, the chairman Houses are, are at work planting that church. And number two, we planted Freedom Culture, a church that meets on Friday nights. Justin and many of you know them. They're part of our leadership for years, and we sent them out, and we planted them. Uh, two of our interns, uh, Justin and, and Kristen Bazzani, we sent them out as worship leaders for them, many of their cores from Mosaic. And, and Justin Round came to me and said, hey, we don't know where to meet. Where should we plant this new church? I said, you should look at the Osseo Area Community Center. That's where they've been meeting in there. And it feels like God's been laying this groundwork for what he's gonna do something special in Osseo, in that community. Go on to the next slide. This is the park across the street from the Osseo Area Community Center. Again, three blocks down from the high school. We're gonna be doing church outside next summer, one time, not the whole summer, just one time, out there, a community outside service. maybe mass. ask, hey, let's do outside church. Here we go, we're gonna do that next summer in that space, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna bless the community. Go on to the next slide. Go on the next one, same, same place, yeah. Uh, you can see there's uh, many new um, senior living centers. This is across the street from that, kitty corner from the community center. And I believe God wants us to not just reach teenagers, but also to reach seniors, people that are, that are now on the twilight end of, of their life. And if you look around, we don't have a lot of seniors in this church, but I believe God wants us to reach them. One of the reasons that it's hard to reach seniors in elementary school is that uh, metal folding chairs are not that comfortable, Amen. And so we're going to have more comfortable chairs, but we believe God is leading us to make a difference in the lives of these senior centers. Go on to the next one. Uh, this is just the, the new era. You see all these new apartments they're building. Many, many people are. It's exploding, really, with lots of new apartments, people living, in and statistics say it's really hard to reach people in apartments because pe- people in apartments don't have community. But we believe God wants us to reach them, people that are moving in and don't have community, don't have family around. Go on to the next slide. This is obstacles so we're looking at getting uh, for this fall, it's right around um, Escalate Dance or Yellow Street Theater, F81, right on the end. It's going to be a beautiful place where our staff can come together. We can do meetings. We can do Bible studies. Men's Bible study, or youth group potentially is going to meet here. We can do Bible studies. We're going to have, have ministry meetings, a place that we can gather together Monday through Saturday. We're so excited about this. Uh, go on to the next slide. From, that, from the parking lot of that place, you can see this park right down the corner. It's literally one block away through the residential street. Go on to the next slide. Uh, and so uh, we, we can see uh, that uh, our youth group can walk there. The park. I believe God next summer wants us to do some kind of sports camp, maybe there at that place. Uh, summer, summer VBS at, at, the, at the high school uh, sports camp. That we're doing things here on these fields. That we're we're inviting kids from the neighborhood to do something. And hey, it's just a block away from from our office space. Next slide. Next slide. That's the park. Yeah, and then one block down, Asbury Gardens. Uh, it's it's assisted living for those who who are again at the very twilight end of their life, and I believe God wants to use our students to impact those seniors. Man, that would make me so thrilled, so excited to see that happen. Uh, I forgot another slide. Is that the last one? I got my vote. Go ahead. I believe God wants to do so much in and through our church. Like I said. Um, uh, we're gonna do outside service. We're gonna do a VBS in the Osseo uh, High School. We're gonna do a sports camp outside there. Um, I, I believe God wants us to cancel our service the first Sunday in May or June, and we're gonna do what's called Love Osseo. We're gonna go around, we're gonna adopt a block. We're gonna, we're gonna ahead of time say, hey, how can we bless you? Is there, is there any weeding? Is there any, any landscape working? Can we paint? How can, how can we help? And, and make a tangible difference in that community. As we gather at Osseo Senior High, we're gonna walk around. Our first weekend we're gonna be there is September 1st. That's gonna be kind of our our getting everything ready, and then the following Saturday, that's the Osseo Lions Day Parade, uh, which I went to as a young child. But we actually are walking in that parade uh, mosaic, and we're gonna partner with Cross, which is a phenomenal organization, collecting canned goods. We're gonna get the word out. We're gonna have shirts that say we're here for good. We're not leaving Osseo. We're also we're here for good to do good for the community. And do you know where that Osseo parade ends? At Osseo Senior High. And so the parade is going to end literally, and so we're going to say, hey, at the end of the parade, that's where we're doing, church. Come. Tomorrow is our big kickoff. Be a part of what God's doing, that you can find grace and forgiveness, that you can find hope for your family. God has a better plan for you to receive forgiveness and healing. I'm so excited for that. Then our is going to kick off a couple of weeks later. Man, I don't know what this next season holds, but was like, let us remember, why did we start this thing to begin with? It's not just for us and, our, and what we want to do, but to help people who are far from God be connected to him so that each and every one of us can use our gifts and talents to make a difference in this world. Let's repent of the ways that we have, have fallen away from that first love. Each and every one of us. Man, this is what I mean again and again. God, let me confess the ways that I've not led as a pastor the way I should. Let me confess the ways I've been tired and broken. Let me confess all this ways so you can use us as a church not so that air gets lifted up, not so that any leaders gets lifted up, any staff, but the name of Jesus proclaimed, amen, and it's spread. Because we do not want God to remove our lampstand. And that is why we're moving. That is why we can't stay here. That is why we can't stay in elementary school. That's why we're going there. Because God is leading us there. And I believe there's so much that God wants to do And for all of my adult life, I have not known a thriving church in that city. There was one church doing good work. I love Jim, he's the pastor, but they sold their building, they moved out. And they sold their building to a bunch of Buddhists. And do you know what? Honestly, we'll cut this out of the podcast, but it breaks my heart that this place where young people found Christ, where people were baptized and saved and received a calling into ministry and received the Holy Spirit. is no longer a church. It's a meditation center for a bunch of Buddhists, and that breaks my heart. And you know what? This fall, I don't know, every Friday or I'm going to pick a day of the week, I'm going to be walking around that building. It's in the heart of Osseo. I'm going to pray, God, give us that building. Because nothing would make me happier as a pastor. And maybe this isn't God's Plan for us, I'm totally open to that. But nothing would make me personally happy than to reclaim ground that was kingdom ground that no longer is and to restore that and redeem that for Christ so that kids could know Jesus, that people would find freedom and grace in this place that no longer is a church. Again, maybe that's not where God leads us, I don't know. But if you want to pray for something, pray big, pray bold, because honestly, I don't know how we're going to afford land in Maple Grove. (laughs) That's just the truth. (laughs) But there is this building sitting there. It doesn't have great parking, but you know, that's all right. I want to redeem that and reclaim that for Christ. I'm going long. I'm sorry about that. Mosaic, would you consider jumping on board, jumping with both feet? This is your opportunity. Mosaic 2.0 this fall, new location. I am so excited for what God is going to do. Where can you dive in? Our youth group. Man, there are places. That's like my cue to get off stage. <laughs> Oscar music going on. I know, I know, I know, I know. But talk to Josh. Man, our teenagers. We have, here's the here, Here's the deal. God is not gonna bring us more people than we are prepared to receive. God is only gonna bring us teenagers that we have enough leaders to mentor and pour into. On Sunday, I was one of three leaders. We had eight students because most adult leaders, we can pour in about three kids. The deal is God is not gonna bring us more teenagers than we have adults to pour into them because why would God do that? Why would God do that to us or to them? God is not gonna bring us more people than we can handle to put into small groups. And some of you need to be small group leaders. Some of you need to be reaching out to the kids because God's not gonna bring us more toddlers than we can handle. Right now, we've had about 12 toddlers in that toddler room for about three years. Why aren't we growing God? Because God's not gonna bring us more kids unless we're equipped to handle them. And so some of you maybe have been sitting on the bench. Here's your opportunity. Some of you are new, I know. You're like, Eric's a little crazy. That's great. (laughs) You need a little bit of crazy in you. Jump on board. Be a part of what God's doing. I'm gonna invite the band to come up so you know I'm wrapping up. I'm so excited for what God is gonna do. Let's come together to make a difference the name of Jesus is extolled, amen? Amen. Would you join with me? Let's stand. We're gonna receive our offering. Thank you for allowing me to go long. As we wrap up, may you know that you are not here just to go to work Monday through Friday to fill up some space to watch some Netflix and then die. You were created for a purpose that is to know your Savior and then to be used by Jesus with your unique talents, gifting, and personalities to make a difference. May you know that truly the best is yet to come. but It's going to take a lot of coffee, a lot of hard work, a lot of us banding together to make that happen. Would you join me in just dreaming and praying that God is gonna do things that just blows our mind, that we're gonna just see stories of people coming to Christ, of teenagers freed, of, of lost people finding Jesus, of marriages that are on the rock being restored and healed. Man, I cannot wait for what God is gonna do this fall. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you. You are here. And God, wherever we go, that's where you are. And so God, we believe this is where you're leading and so we wanna be obedient to that. So Jesus, let us remember why you called us into salvation. Let us remember that we are saved for a reason. Let us remember that found people find people. Let us remember that blessed people bless people. God, let us repent. Right now, as we just take a minute just to pause, each and every one of us, Help us to know what we need to confess of, the ways that we've messed up, that we've not measured up. God, that we've wandered away from the path that you've had for us. God, that we've held things against people, that we've attributed bad motivations to to friends, to family members, whatever that might be. God, help us to repent, to let go of that. And God, we are scared that we do not want you to remove our light and our influence from this city. God, let that, that be a warning to us so that your name will be lifted up God, that this thing would continue on to our kids and our grandkids and great-grandkids. God, we have the opportunity to lay a foundation and be with us as we invest now so that our children have the best opportunity to serve you and follow you. God, help us to follow where you are leading. In your name we pray. Amen. She's going to come forward and receive an offering. This is where you can give back. You can also give online at any time. Just thank you for being here. Thank you for giving. Thank you for supporting Mosaic. This is the ch- opportunity. This is the chance. We're going big this fall. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do, and we want you to be a part of that. You can drop out that connection card in there. Uh, but we believe, truly, that nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Amen? Let's go out of here singing that truth.